Yeah, I don't know how fun it'll be, but I darn sure tell you. You just well, you're live right now, buddy. Oh, perfect, perfect. <laughs> yep, Jay Jay Adcock live and in the house. Welcome, Jay. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Dude, I've been looking forward to it. Uh, like, oh, like we visited, we'd have done it a long time ago. If you were, your technological advancement was wasn't so far above mine. <laughs> Good thing you put that last part in there. <laughs> oh boy! Oh, you bet. Well, we, shoot. It, it took us a it took us a month to get you to remember your uh, what was it your passcode to get on your computer to get Google Chrome <laughs> downloaded. And I know, isn't that ridiculous? It was like, I, I tell you, what, oh, I came up with a jillion of them, finally hit the lucky one. Well, you know, uh, I was really going to be hard on you, Jay. We we had my dad two weeks ago, who's 78 years old, and we had Ryan Motes last week, who's who's an NFR team roper, so that means he's a real team roper, right? So we had an, an, an eld, an, I, I can't say old because Pop will kick my butt, but an older gentleman and a team roper knowing how to get on and we couldn't get a rawhide braider to get on there. <laughs> those, those guys have more time to sit around and goof off on the computer than i do i guess so i enjoyed listening to both of them uh they were fun pop, you got pop he kind of took over the airwaves on us and uh became mr popular so we're already getting demands to get pop back on but it's all good oh yeah yeah, I could I could listen to your dad and his his stories for a while. You got any cowboy stories? I think that'll be good for us to get into some cowboy stories. Surely you got some Wild West stories, you know? Oh yeah, shoot, shoot! I tell you what, I'm gonna have to uh, kind of censor them, clean them up, or what? Some <laughs> <laughs> of them are pretty clean, really. Really, uh, there's a. Uh, well, it depends on, you know, you want to hear some from out west, Oklahoma or, or uh, Texas. It's uh Well, so, so tell been, everybody tell everybody about uh, where you come from, your background and all that just for those that don't know and and you're a TCA our newest member, the TCA rawhide braider and uh, according to Pablo a leather braider, you'll soon be a rawhide <laughs> braider. You know, before we get past that, I brought some <laughs> the other day i can't remember what it was and ella was sitting there watching tv or something and looked over there and said leather braider he <laughs> 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 put uh, away from pablo, <laughs> uh, pablo has... but anyway but, but no i grew up as a kid here uh here in oklahoma uh and uh Grew up in a pretty large family. My uh, my mom had me when she was very young, and uh, and uh, shoot, I I knew my dad, but but uh, we never have had much relationship. But fortunately, I had a grandfather in my life to help guide me along the way. And and uh, anyway, they my granddad ran about a five hundred cow deal here for thirty some years. Of, the place I kind of grew up on when we were young. And uh, anyway, we ended up moving to Texas when I was, uh, I actually started 
first grade in Ira, Texas. Down, mm. uh, and uh, went to school there and a year or so and went a couple of years, a couple of grades in Snyder, Texas. And then uh, moved off to, uh, to Wyoming. My mom and stepdad down there. We moved to Edison, Wyoming. And uh, I was up there till about my sophomore year in high school. Ended up coming back here to Oklahoma to to uh, to, to graduate high school. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then, uh, but I tell you, what, I, I had a very blessed childhood. I sure did because in all those places, I always had a a pretty good role model. Wow, that's uh, cool. As far as men are concerned, I had a. They had my grandfather and. My step grandfather Buck Rambin in Snyder, Texas, and and then uh, oh, up in Wyoming, there's a man named Aaron Martin. Uh, heck of a guy. He, I, I was good friends, still good friends with his boys, and uh, got to spend a lot of time with them. And heck of a good role model. And uh, anyway, but this whole time I was uh, shoot. All I ever wanted to do was was cowboy just be horseback and and uh shoot i thought the ultimate dream was you know just to work on every big outfit in the country and uh there were two guys in my life that uh, mike burkhart and charlie chambers they uh they were both right around here mike's my was my uncle and uh they did some rawhide work, and it just, uh, it always amazed me. My grandmother had a set of hobbles on the, hanging on the wall that Mike had made and uh, with some pineapple knots on them and whatnot, and it just, I can remember just being really young, you know, four or five years old, and those hobbles just amazed me. And uh, anyway, so Mike helped me a little, and Charlie Chambers taught me to braid a quirt when I was about 14 and and uh, and then uh, my mother made it possible for me to go spend a week with uh, Frank Hansen in Lakeview Oregon when mm. I was 15 and uh, Frank really taught me to to uh, to cut up a cowhide and, and uh, you know cut enough string to, to braid some riettas and and uh, anyway so so uh, Frank got me started up up there, and, and uh, we were just kind of off and running. And it's kind of funny how that how that goes, you know, because uh, I thought, boy, if I could ever get to braid like Frank Hansen, I'd be on top of the world. <laughs> and anyway, so my my stuff looked just like Frank's for about five six years. But uh, anyway, and then. Uh, you know, keep progressing, and and then you run into this Louis Ortega stuff, or I did. And I thought, man, there's a whole nother level, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it didn't. I, I never looked at it as intimidating. I thought, man, one of these days we could we could you know tie that fine a knot. And and uh, the great thing about Ortega stuff is that it's so serviceable. It doesn't matter how fancy it is. It's all very very usable. And I always admired that, but, but, uh, anyway, that was kind of the start in the rawhide deal. And then I ended up, uh, I worked on some ranches around here when I got out of high school and, uh, 
took off. Shoot, it was just a day or no, no. I worked here a couple of months, and then the fall after I graduated, I had the opportunity to move to Coolinga, California, and work at at Harris Feeders, big feed yard out there. And that was quite an experience. Uh, had some really good times out there, and I tell you what, it was you know turning eighteen year old kid loose in California. <laughs> <laughs> Got quite an education out there with those guys. California got an education, or you did? Well, both of us. (laughs) (laughs) Oklahoma, eighteen-year-old Oklahoma kid in California could be that could be newsworthy, right? (laughs) Oh yeah, there's. You know that that feedlot deal was a good experience. I spent oh seven or eight months out there. And uh, I went to work at Harris's smaller yard there in Hanford and Lemoore, right out of Lemoore, California. And I was working there with a fella named uh, Randy Bennett. And Randy had worked, spent a few years up at the ZX Ranch there in Oregon. And anyway, boy, he was really encouraging me, you know, to some, you get tired of this feedlot stuff, you need to go up there. And I thought, well, shoot, that's just you know, 40 miles up the road from Frank Hansen's. And this is kind of, this is pretty funny because he gave me a man's phone number. And uh, I don't think you'll get too mad if, if I tell the story, but it's Wade Cooper. That's true. He's still at the DX. He might've been there 40 years, but, but anyway, so I call Wade up and Wade grew up there on the padlock in, in Wyoming. And, and then he was worked for Benny Binion was wagon boss there for Benny Binion and, and, uh, Bronk man. And, but anyway, that's before he went to the ZX. So I call up, uh, I call up Wade and, uh, told him I was looking for a job. He said, well, what part of Texas are you from? I said, well, I'm from Oklahoma. <laughs> well, we probably don't have anything that would interest you up here. <laughs> that was the end of the conversation. That was that. <laughs> and anyway, shoot, I sit there for a day or two and, and uh, thought, well, shoot, I'm going to Oregon anyway. Something will happen. And I went up and spent a day or two with Frank's and, and there at Frank Hansen's and fine people, Frank and Gene Hansen. They took me in just like one of their own and and I did go by and stay with them several different times, but, but, uh, anyway, I visited with Frank for a day or two and I thought, well, I'm going up to ZX, see if I can get a job. So I drove up there and, and, uh, up at the red house, the kind of the main headquarters right there at Paisley, there's, there was two houses there at the time and I didn't know who was who, but I thought, well, shoot, maybe I can get a job in person. So, I went and knocked on the door, and it wasn't Wade's house. It was Mark Williams. They both lived right there at the time, and uh, it was on a Sunday afternoon, and Mark said, well, can you start Colts? I said, yes, sir. And, uh, you know, which I'd started a bunch of Colts through high school, enough to make a truck payment and so forth. So, and he said, okay, let's shoot your hired. So... So anyway, I ended up moving in the bunkhouse and, and, uh, 
you know, if I'd have knocked on Wade's door, I don't know if I'd have ever got the job or not, but, <laughs> but it was fun. Cause, uh, shoot, we got to trade and I was on Mark's crew and Wade had the crew there at headquarters and, and, uh, we got to be good friends. It took a little while. <laughs> and he actually offered me a job later on. Wade did, you know, he said, but you're going to have to do something with that accent. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I ended up going to work for them. And it was right when, uh, right there in the spring, we we're moving up. They were moving cows up to Saiken their summer country. And, and, uh, so, so we went up there and, and Mark said, well, we're ready to, ready to get some Bronx. So he gave me the truck and trailer up at Saican and said, uh, you know, just go down there to go down there to wage the red house and pick up, pick us up some Colts. And so I went down there and I thought, my gosh, you know, I was, I was 19 at the time. I'm thinking, I can't believe they're turning me loose with the truck even. So, so I went down to Wade's and, and, uh, and he said, okay, he had all these Bronx, had about 30 head in there in a pen. And he said, here's how it works. You pick, you pick one for the crew and I'll pick one for your crew. Gosh, I, I still couldn't believe they even let me do that. You know, <laughs> but, uh, but we got, I got a trailer load of horses and went back and got those started. Uh, and, uh, man, just had the time of my life. That was a, if you wanted to cowboy that to me, that was the, might still be the best place in the world. And anyway, I spent a, I spent a season there and decided I needed to go see some more country. So I went on down, uh, spent a couple more days with Frank and, and, uh, and I ended up going down to, to work for, uh, Merv Takis at the Squaw Valley Ellison ranches, better known as the Spanish ranch, but, the the Squaw Valley side of it was on the west side of, uh, on the west side of the mountains from the Spanish ranch. And, uh, so Merv, he ran a crew over there and tough old bird. Uh, but, but anyway, he hired me and, uh, and Merv was tough. He didn't, he'd find out what you were made of just right off the bat. So I pulled into this place. I didn't even know where the horse trap was. Or, or anything knew where the cookhouse and the bunkhouse was. So it was five o'clock the next morning and, uh, they leave a, they leave a wrangle horse up to go jingle the horses on there. And, uh, Merv went and caught him and said, Jay, go, go jingle the horses. I was like, Oh, yes, sir. You know, which, which, which direction it was still pitch dark. And, uh, he said, well, I'll just turn his old trot out there to the, to the south a little bit and turn that horse's head loose. He'll find them. So anyway, we go out there. I go to beating around. Finally, finally found, find the horses out there. And, and uh, I go to bringing them into headquarters. And anybody that's been to Squaw Valley knows that it was, it, it's not, it wasn't real pristine then. I mean, there's old farm equipment and falling down barns and just kind of junk everywhere. But I bring these horses in and I bring them, I mean, I'm bringing them pretty hot and heavy. Well, up there at the ZX, they'd run everything in the ropes, had about 80 head of horses, and you'd have to bring them pretty hard. Or the front end would turn back on you in those ropes. So, so when you bring them, 
you know, you're wrangling or jingling horses, you bring them hard. Well, I didn't know any better, so that's the way I was bringing them there at Squaw Valley first morning. <laughs> and we come smoking down through through headquarters through that old junk, and those guys are out there waving their arms. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and they got them turned into this big board corral. And, oh, shoot, I think about 10 of them tried to go through the gate at one time, and we knocked a corner post down. (laughs) 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 And, oh, oh, Murph, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) Hell, I'm jingling. (laughs) You're not supposed to. (laughs) Treat these Spanish ranch horses that way. (laughs) Anyway, it was it was pretty comical. So my first morning, he wrote me out five head of horses to shoe and and told me to help the chore boy put a new corner post in. So anyway, there you went. Anyway, and I I was I got the corner post fixed. Me and the chore boy and, and uh, I was shoe tacking the last shoe on the last horse when uh, when they come riding in that evening. It's probably four thirty five o'clock. They come riding in there, and I had I had one of those old. Uh, they had some big old appendix bred horses, circle horses that were wood cover some country. And I was finishing a, a front foot last shoe, and I had a stand out there, and I had that horse's foot up on it. And uh, Merv Merv come in, and he was kind of giggling when he rode up there. He said, "Well, did you get kicked, any?" "Yes, sir." i sure did he said these are probably the first horses that you've shod right here that have ever seen a shoeing stand i said well they've seen it now (laughs) but but it was that was a that was a good time working for Merv. that boy he was tough and we did cover a lot of country and uh anyway through all these cowboy deals and well, from my journey, I was I was braiding the whole time, and uh, you know, just always have some trading stuff around, and and uh, anyway, so I was braiding the whole time, and and I'd had a, the first set of reins that I'd ever sold. Frank Hansen had given me a a, a kangaroo romal that he had started. And I don't know, he hadn't braided the reins, but he gave me all the string he'd already cut and said, here, here, Jay, just take this Romel and you get the reins braided up and you can just have it. Well, I finished those, those reins up working in the bunkhouse or working there at Squaw Valley. I got the knots, got the reins all finished up, knots tied on them. And, uh, boy, those guys I, I was working with, uh, oh, shoot. Tom Hudson, Rich Tomoke, uh, Luke Bowmeister, Leon Bendel. We had quite a crew there, a lot of fun guys. But they thought, boy, if you take those to Elko, go in there to Capriolas, you can trade for whatever Garcia bitch you want. And uh, anyway, so we were all pumped up. And I hadn't even been to town. We didn't, we were about 75 miles out of town had an electric generator and half a day off on Sunday, you know, so half a day Sunday, where are you going to go? Mm. But uh, anyway, we all ended up going to Elko for the first time about Thanksgiving. And I took my reins in there and I was so proud of them. 
go in capriolas and, and uh, they didn't think they were worth near as much as what we thought they were worth. <laughs> anyway, so I didn't get my bit, but we did have a good time in Elko. So did you and, just, uh, you just said bits are more valuable than rawhide braiding? Is that kind of what you're alluding to there? Yeah. I still disagree with that. <laughs> I was afraid of that. For darn sure. But, but like I say that, I had those reins, and, and uh, I didn't do any trading at Capriolas, but Eddie Brooks at the time, he'd started his own. He was there at Capriolas forever, and he'd started his, his own shop right down the street and uh, went down there. And I don't know if you guys – I know Kerry probably, mm-hmm. probably knows Eddie Brooks – Heck of a nice guy. And anyway, Eddie had a case there that he had some guys stuff in, you know, they're trying to sell this and that. And, and uh, I left those reins in there with Eddie and I ended up going back to Oklahoma. And it's about four months later, Eddie called me and sent me a check. He'd sold those reins to a, to a man named Ed Hope that cowboyed buckarooed around that country. And, and uh, that boy, I was just tickled to death. You know, the sky's the limit. Sold some rain. <laughs> Never be another broke day, huh? Never Thanks. another broke day. But uh, anyway, I moved back to, uh, oh, I headed back to Oklahoma after that. And I was always going to gonna make it back, and I was going to go back and start some cults for Merv and I ended up getting a job working on a yearling deal for an uncle and uh, shooting. Then I had the opportunity to, to go to school at through the TCU ranch management program. Hmm. And uh, so I did that and I thought, shoot, shoot, I can shoot a horse, you know, cowboy a little rope, a little, I'll, I'll go to TCU and, Shoot, I'll probably get a job wherever I want to after that. <laughs> so anyway, so I, I went to went through the program, and it's a great program. One of the best decisions I ever made in my life going through there. And uh, Terry Forrest and I, Terry Stewart Forrest and I, went through the program together and became really good friends. But uh, anyway, I we went through that deal. It's a one-year program. I got out, and I couldn't find a job anywhere. Hmm. And uh, I ended up going right back to work for my uncle. Uh, he run a bunch of yearlings. We are running several thousand yearlings right not too far from here. But, but uh, anyway, went right back to the camp job I had, and I got my first paycheck. And... Uh, it was about $200 a month less than I was making before. And I called Dan, you know, Uncle Dan Adcock, and that's who I was working for. And I said, Dan, this is less than I was making before. And he said, well, you shouldn't have left. <laughs> that PCU was a good decision. <laughs> Got me Got about $10,000 worth of debt paying for it. Anyway, yeah. but it wasn't long after that that uh, Terry Forrest called me and she said, Hey, uh, 
we're buying a ranch at Warwick, Oklahoma. Uh, and we'd like for you to come look at it and just run this place. They were, and they originally bought 12,000 acres down there, kind of a one-man deal. And uh, I thought, great, this is outstanding. And uh, so anyway, I was married, and my son was, shoot, he wasn't a month old. We moved to uh, moved to Warwicka. And uh, like I say, that's the, the first first property that Stewart's had ever bought. Their original home ranch had been in their family since before the Civil War. The oldest family-owned ranch in Oklahoma. But anyway, they bought this place at Warwick, and I moved down there, and uh, man, it was a great opportunity, because it was, it was just wide open, no house, no barns, nothing. And after a few months, Bob Stewart, Terry's dad, came in there and he said okay we're gonna we need to build the headquarters figure out uh figure out where we need to put headquarters and i was like you know it was another one of those situations like you're leaving this up to me (laughs) 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 so anyway so we got that all picked out and uh and just started building that place from the ground up it's uh it's what they call the rock house there. Now we built the barns, the pens, uh, shoot. Terry built us a new house. Uh, just a great opportunity. And, and this whole time, uh, I had a lot of neighbors or one big place around there that they just kept, kept buying out the neighbors huh. and shoot. I think when I left there, they were 30 some thousand acres. But, uh, during this time we, uh, we got to ranch rodeoing and and uh, had a really good crew there and good time, good bunch of guys. And we started going down to Abilene to the uh, to the Western Heritage Classic. We got invited to go down there, and we were the first team outside of Texas, other than Haythorns, to to uh, get invited to that deal. And I. Boy, I tell you what, I'd never been more intimidated the first year going down there. I thought, boy, we're going down in the belly of the beast, bunch of Okies. <laughs> anyway, I'd, I'd never been more surprised. That was the best bunch of guys, people down there, and and, uh, and very welcoming. Had a good time, and we were showing some resources, too, and... and uh, Anyway, we went down there the first year, and I'm not I'm not bragging by any means, but it did happen. We did we did win the rodeo there the first year, and uh, I won a super horse on a Stewart Ranch horse during the rodeo. And uh, anyway, it was just a great time, and met a lot of good people. And and uh, anyway, that's when I first got to know Tom Morehouse. What well, and. Uh- I've been Cotton like, too. When, when did you meet Cotton? At a similar oh yeah. time. I met Cotton when I was there at uh, at Warica. Him and Bill both. I'll be darn. Yeah, sure did. Bill come up and day work for some, and and uh, yeah, Cotton come up a little bit, and you bet, you bet. <laughs> but uh, anyway, spent shoot. I guess I was there at Stewart's about six years, and and we went to did a lot of ranch rodeoing and. And uh, got to show a lot of a lot of horses in the, the those ranch horse competitions. It was about the time they started the the RHAA, the Ranch Horse Association of America. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, anyway, great opportunity, great opportunity. And, and uh, but anyway, during all this, I ended up getting divorced, and 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 my my little boy was back up here, Hayden. He shoot, he wasn't Sue's. Oh, he was five or six at the time, and uh, I actually ended up moving back up here to uh, to be closer to him. You know, it's a pretty good distance between us, and I ended up going to work for myself, starting colts and shoeing horses and and braiding rawhide. And at that point, I probably I started braiding more than I ever had, and uh, I went along there oh about seven eight eight years working for myself and like i say starting colts and and shoeing a lot of horses and and uh just doing anything i could to make a living and rocking along just fine and had the opportunity to to go to work for a place up in kansas uh running about a thousand cows and beautiful place and shoot i spent about i guess i was there five years or so and uh anyway took me oh i was there about five years and realized what a terrible employee i was and and, uh ended up going back to work for myself and we ended up back down here in osage county and uh me and ella moved back down here my daughter ella is 11 and she's She's lived with me since she was four, and uh, that's top priority now. And I, it's it's worked well because uh, working here in the shop and and uh, you know trying to crank out this rawhide, it fits right into to taking her back and forth to school and hitting all the basketball games and softball games. And so anyway, here we are. So, full-time braiding for sure now. Uh, how long have you yep. been full-time braiding without chewing horses and all that business? Oh, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, and I tell you the, the toughest thing about that and uh, is it's not that just you're kind of jumping out of the, the full-time cowboy world and, mm-hmm. you know, you're working. And what's hard on me is you got a crew of guys that, you know, you got a pretty tight knit group that that you're working with all the time, trading help and and uh, and I've kind of got a habit of when I bail into to it, I'll bail into it, you know, all the way. Well, mm-hmm. we go back. I go back to making a living braiding rawhide, and and uh, it really cuts down on your time or availability to uh, to go help people. Yeah, you know, like shoot up. You know, and I, I still try to, you know, especially branding season in the spring. But, uh, you know, those guys will call you and you're like, man, I apologize. I can't make it. I got to get this done and that done. And, well, pretty it's, soon it, they quit calling you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know the, I, mean, yeah. I kind of miss camaraderie for sure. Well, I was going to say that the social aspect of working with the crew, roping did it for me. And, and, uh, roping every afternoon at five o'clock there was a, a a big social aspect a release for me out of the shop that the, that was very welcomed right and so when you quit doing that and all you're doing is shop time well 
I miss, I miss the buddies every now and then, you know, like, Hey, what are you guys doing? Cause we live such social lives in these shops, you know? Oh, absolutely. All, all our friends, me, myself and I. Oh, absolutely. And it, isn't it something how they can, they go ahead and get it done without you. Yeah, <laughs> the rodeos still happen. The rope is still happen. The cabs still get branded. You're not very needed, are you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. isn't that something? I will tell. I will tell you though. And, and and you know that's that's kind of funny. Said uh, Tom Morehouse told me one time. Said said uh, said if if any of you guys ever get to feeling like you can't be replaced. Just stick your finger in a glass of water and hold it there a minute and then pull it out real fast and watch how fast that hole fills up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, well, I will, I will tell you one, one thing about mine that, that you probably didn't get was, was uh, Ryan was nice to me last week, but when I quit roping uh, with shot, Ryan called me and said, Hey man, I said, uh, he said, I, I support your decision in one respect. He said, but the other is, is my income is certainly going down without you entering. <laughs> I'm winning more with you entering. So if you'll, if you'll come back, it'd be better for my family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's got to make you feel good. <laughs> yeah, I made me feel real wanted. You know, they, their salary was going down because I wasn't padding the pot. <laughs> oh, shit. And, and I will say that, that – uh, in all the travels, travels and so forth, you know, it's it's uh, looking at the TCAA. You know, I'd all I'd always kind of had that on my mind, but I knew that I never had the time to dedicate to it. Right. And when uh, when I did go back to work for myself full time, you know, making gear, it I thought, shoot, there's. You know, there's no need in getting off at Oakland if you're headed to Frisco. Let's try it. Yeah. You, you yeah. know, so, you know, and that's when, you know, visiting with Nate and Leland and John and some of those guys and thought, shoot, I think I've, you know, might be able to make this work if I, you know, got accepted in. And, uh, and you know, you, you said something earlier when you, when you saw Ortega's work that, sparked sparked a little interest in me or, or it didn't surprise me even a little bit getting to know you now and and then you know and, and what you just said there of hey maybe let's let's go let's see if we can get it done but you said that when you met ortega or, or saw his work it didn't intimidate you that does no. not that doesn't surprise me a bit where how many people do we all talk to that well i don't know if i can do that why in the world would you ever think that where Ortega pulled his britches on just the way we did. I mean, damn good at what he did, but that didn't mean he he was human, right? We can learn from him. We may not be as good, but don't be scared. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and that's kind of funny. And, uh, you know, Kerry, you and Wilson both might remember. It's, it's my first year in, maybe first meeting, uh, Zoom meeting that we had in and Jason, Jason said, do not let perfection be the enemy of progress. And hmm. it, that I really got to thinking about that. You know, we are all striving for, for, for uh, perfection. Yeah. Now, perfect to, you, to us and to some other people 
are probably two different things. Sure. You know, because because we know that we're probably never going to get there. And if you ever did get there, well, it's over. Right. You, you know what I mean? So, yeah. so it's like uh, looking at that Ortega stuff in that the, right there on display at the, at the museum, the Cowboy Hall. It's outstanding, all functional, but far from perfect. Well, yeah. You know, it's, it's how stout of glasses do you want to put on? Yeah. <laughs> you know and what you I got, mean? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, so me and my stupid microscope, right? We, I mean, <laughs> there, there's so many elements to design and, and perfection, and, and I don't care how precise you do it under a microscope. If it's not going to grab your attention from across the arena, I probably haven't achieved all levels of perfection, right? There's a lot of different aspects to perfection. That, and it's just a journey, man, if you well, I think absolutely. that's what you're talking about. And that, that's what keeps it so fun. It's, it's uh, you know, like making pieces for the show or anything. I have yet to make something that I thought, man, this next one's going to be a little bit better because, you know, I didn't like this, this, or this, you know. And it's, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's good and bad. It, it, keeps you, it keeps you moving forward, but you need to – find a line in there where you're you're satisfied yeah yeah I, I i like to tell people don't ever let good enough be good enough but right. there there is a good enough to every day um if if i don't know how to do it better today then that's probably good enough do i want to do it better yes i would love to do it better but i don't know how to do it better now if you know how to do it better and you don't well that's a problem you got to fix that but, but there, there's got to be a stop to every day and move on to the next project and see what you can do from with that one. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's kind of like uh, you damn sure need to fix the mistakes and uh, you know squint your eyes at a blemish. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. so I, you know, I got a question you ever, for you, you ever Jay. Have the whole world. The whole world looks a little better if you just squint your eyes a little bit. <laughs> That's right. So, Jay, has your, has your work uh, improved a lot since you became a member? You've been a member of what, three, four years, something like that? Well, yes, this would be my third year, Carrie. Third year, and, okay. Uh, yeah, I feel, like, I feel like it has. Be, and it, it's not pressure – but, uh, you know, knowing that you've got to make those pieces in the show to start with, and they're going to be right beside yours, your guys' work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or if, if uh, you know, if I'm making a bridle to go with one of Wilson's bits or Ernie's or, or whoever, it's like, man, you know, you got to hook up. It's got to, it's got to be as good or you know, equal to, or you try to do better than, than what you guys are making, you know? And, and then, uh, and then also even, you know, everything I make, you know, you're, uh, you kind of have the pressure and I don't even look at it as pressure because it's making me better. Yep. Is that you become a TCAA member and, people are going to study your stuff. 
Yeah, you're exposed. <laughs> Look at it a little bit closer. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, you know, so so I th- I think it has. I think it's it's helped me a bunch in a good way. Without question. It's kind of oh, like yeah. going down to Abilene I mean, to the ranch rodeo, right? Oh, absolutely. For sure. Yeah, it's think? uh yeah, it, yeah, it is. It sure is. So let me ask you this: speaking of TCA and and now uh, a bit of a family atmosphere, um, would you relate it to the bunkhouse situation with all the crew and, and the guys? You know, I mean, it, you don't have to live with them and smell their dirty socks, but and and eat three meals a day with them. But but it's still to me, there's a little bit of bunkhouse atmosphere and that we're oh, family absolutely. and a crew together. Oh yeah, somewhat of a brotherhood. Yeah, you know, and it, it's uh, you know, and I was thinking about it when, uh, you know, when we we went out to uh, spend our time out in Maryland. Yeah, and you know, it was you know just due to the political atmosphere. I think there were several of us that that you know maybe not really wanted to go to Washington D.C., but but maybe a little hesitant. And after we got out there and we had so much fun, you know, it's like, I think, shoot, I tell you what, I think we could go about anywhere, you know, our group <laughs> and have a good time doing it. Well, I, I certainly know that after 19 years in the group, this will be my 19th year is, uh, is uh, I've certainly, I've seen us go some crazy places like Arlington, Washington, right, Carrie, when we went up there, Washington state and, uh, we didn't exactly blend in. Let's just put it that way. There, <laughs> maybe, maybe less than what we did in Maryland, Jay. It was we had lots of looks, and uh, but we have fun, and people, people kind of get attracted to us because we're having fun. And now we add Mister Personality Jay Adcock to the deal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, you, you you remember that walking through, you know, walking through D.C. and Smithsonian. And, you know, everywhere we went, you know, and there was so many people that, that were, holy cow, are you guys, yeah. just, you know, it was just smiles everywhere. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> no, we're not from Texas. <laughs> well, Jay found I out bet. how backwards guys from Idaho can be sitting there. <laughs> in a, little a little cafe outside of Washington, D.C., and I'm sitting with these, these rawhide gummers. <laughs> and uh Jay, I know you're just dying to tell this story. <laughs> oh, I know. And the only thing that would have made it better, Carrie, if we were sitting with the president when you demonstrated that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so so anyway, those who don't know, we were uh we were eating at this neat little Neat little place. What well, that was kind of a I didn't expect to see that little down home kind of place right there. No, but, I didn't but, either. Yeah, it was it was it was kind of back in the sticks and and uh, had a band playing and just a kind of a cafe setting and they're bringing all these hors d'oeuvres and and uh, they brought a big plate of boiled shrimp out. Boy, that was, we were excited about those. We go to digging into them, and I was sitting right beside Carrie. I go to peeling these shrimp and eating them, and I look over there, and he's still chomping on his first one. (laughs) 
And I'm just looking at him, curious as what? He's got this mouthful of shrimp. <laughs> Did, did did you not peel the shell off of that shrimp? <laughs> are, are you still legs? <laughs> the legs sticking out of his mouth. He can't get them chewed. Yeah. yeah, I learned. Yeah, I learned more about Idaho culture in Maryland than I did. <laughs> I think we commented on the strength of Carrie's gut and stuff too. Man. I can see it. That's what I. I'm glad they glad they didn't bring crab legs out. He didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah. Oh, what fun! <laughs> yeah, oh, that'll God. that'll be with us a while, Carrie. Oh, that that'll go down in the legend and lore of the TCAA. I'm pretty sure. Oh, was, I think the next day, though, we're we're having a break for in our meeting and stuff over there at Allen and Nadine's place, and they bring in these this bread, this really good bread and stuff with these sandwiches, and it's it's some of that bread that's just tougher than shoe leather, really good. <laughs> and Jay's over there gnawing on this thing with his knife, his pocket knife, trying to get that. And I walked over there and I said, Jay. People from Idaho, we don't need a knife. <laughs> we just eat that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for sure. But that's that's when I learned that. Well, I was ninety nine percent certain that there weren't any shrimp in the Salmon River. No, <laughs> no, no. no. Oh man! Oh, good times, good times. No, oh, that was great. I, yeah, I look at it. Yeah, I look at that whole deal as a as a brotherhood, and, and uh, shoot, I think everybody else does too. But but it's it's been great, and I look at it like, uh, you know, if it wasn't for being a part of the TCAA, I would probably never be in Washington D.C. All right. I had never yeah. been there, and 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 that, I'm the same way, Jay. And I and I'll tell a little story myself. You guys all, you said, well, "Hey, Willie, we're going to go to the mall tomorrow and uh, see what's up." <laughs> I was like, "Bunch of junior high girls. Why the hell you want to go to the mall for? We're in Washington <laughs> D.C. Let's go look at the monument or something." Oh hell yeah! yeah <laughs> I didn't realize that's what that was called. Idiot. All <laughs> oh, right. Right. I'm glad I went. Uh, that yeah. was really cool. You know, that whole experience there at the mall and, and seeing all that, it's not what I expected. I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I, I didn't have a clue. And uh, yep. to get to see the architecture and going with Domingo, you know, and all that, that was just Domingo's uh, retired Secret Service. And so he's certainly been there and done that for those that don't know Domingo Hernandez. And uh, we love Domingo. But it, it was it was a great experience getting to see all that. And what it just – it was pretty awing to me. Like it kind of floored me. I thought that was cool. Oh yeah, it was. It was kind of overwhelming, wasn't it? Yes, yes, it was to me. You know, seeing the you know the Declaration of Independence and and the Constitution and you know everything up close and like you say the architecture and it's it's just one of those things you have to be there to really appreciate. Totally agree. Regarding. Recommended for every American. Oh shoot, we had Greeley, Colorado. Oh, yep. absolutely, okay. absolutely. Yeah, it should be uh, required. But 
you know, and it was the same way in, in Greeley, Colorado. You know, what a bunch of, you know, what great host. You oh, know, yeah. Stormy and Art. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy what the TCA can take you to, right? I mean, it, it, to be in, in places like that and, and uh, Alan and Nadine's house. And, you, you know, you get to witness some things that otherwise there's no way a waterhead from Cristobal, Texas would get invited to places like that. And, uh, oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. But uh, cool. I don't know how do you, how do you guys look at the the TCAA? I mean, of course, Kerry's a founding member. He may not a. I don't know if not, you feel pressure or not, Kerry, to as well, far as making you better. Oh yeah, well I've been. I'm, people have kind of considered me a poster child for improvement because I've I was just talking to a guy yesterday, saddle maker on the phone, and. Uh, I've said this many times, if I were applying today with the work I was doing 25 years ago, I wouldn't get in today. I'd have to no. get tuned up. And so that means I've been a lot of improvement over the years. And yeah, you, you talk about, yeah, not really pressure, but it is pressure, uh, but it's positive. And uh, yeah. you responded to it, Jay. We've all responded to it. We responded. We stepped up under that pressure and and uh, yeah I, I wouldn't be the saddle maker i am today i wouldn't be the person i am today were, were it not no. for this 25 year journey there's just been so many opportunities and and stuff that i couldn't have written a script that would have improved on it really oh absolutely yes yeah, sure not and that uh you know that makes me think of uh you know, to the somebody that may not know, they'll look at, you know, my stuff or your guy's stuff or who's ever and, and say, oh, you're so talented. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. no, I wasn't, I wasn't born this way. You know? <laughs> no. if, if that was the case, I would have never thrown full hides in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, and uh, you know, or or got a gift from God, and and I look at it like, no, I don't have a gift from God. I'm what I got from God is desire, determination, and dedication. Yeah. And you know, you can combine that with working your butt off through the years, trying to improve, and and uh, here we are. You know, yeah. it's. it's it's a common theme with everybody we have on the podcast with us. And of course I started the, the deal way back when we first got started. I hate the word talent. It just ticks me off because everybody thinks I'm so talented. Well, I'm it's like you said, Jay wouldn't have thrown all them hides away if I was talented. Right. It's just, you, uh, you've worked your butt off to get here. And I like that desire, determination, and dedication, the three D's. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But, oh, absolutely. But it's, and then, I was having a conversation. Well, I was visiting with Tracy Morrison the other day, and we did a mm -hmm. podcast up at the Ben Johnson Cowboy Museum. And uh, he was talking about his first stuff, which which Tracy, shoot, he hadn't been at it, you know, four no. or five years, not too long at all, but has really improved, you know. And yeah. He said, well, he would like to buy his first stuff back so he could throw it away. <laughs> And I said, well, I used to feel that way, but I don't now. 
Yeah, my mother has, you know, the first set of reins I'd made that I'd given to my granddad and first quirt I made with Charlie Chambers and some other little stuff I made when I was, you know, still a teenager. Mm-hmm. And I look at it now, I'm tickled to death Yeah, you know, to, to look at it and, uh, and think, man, we've kind of, we've got somewhere. Well, and, I, I- I think and that's it, a good thing too, Jay. Is like exactly what you just said. There is is don't look at it as I'm putting out inferior work. I'm putting out great work now compared to what I did then. So it's let people oh, see that. Have, and I think it's good for other people to start now. Mm-hmm. You know, which I I never really thought of it that way. You know, I never thought I was qualified to even be be helping other people along. You know, or doing any teaching till six or seven years ago, but I want to, you know, I like for other people to see that first stuff, you know, because like I say, a lot of people think you were just born that way, you know, were that good, you know, did great work start, and that's not the case in anything. No, no, you know, that's not the way it works. Anyway, I'm, I'm glad I've got that, got that first stuff and not afraid to show it. And it's ugly. (laughs) (laughs) i'm with you on that i i every once in a while dig out some stuff some very very early stuff that i i did even back in high school and just as a hobby doing leather work and the tandy kits and stuff and and uh yeah a lot of water under the bridge since then so oh absolutely hey jay i got this kind of a pivot in a different direction but um you're kind of uh kind of in the middle of all the fruhaha there over the osage indians and the new movie that's coming out this fall the morton martin sorsese film the killers of the flower moon and and all that stuff and you mentioned earlier in the podcast about a was it a relative or a friend by the name of burkhart is that any relation well, that was uh, Mike Burkhart, uh, my mentor growing up. Mike was as cowboy as cowboy can get. But he was he was married. Mike's passed away now. Been gone, oh, a while, quite a few years. But he Mike was married to my mom's oldest sister. And I guess it would have been his dad his dad was a brother to two of the main characters or the people that that carried out that stuff but his dad never never involved in any of it and uh so growing up it was you know something you'd hear about every once in a while but but never really discussed or talked about you know because you know of course you know family wanted to distance herself from from that stuff you know because it was a pretty bad deal but but yes mike was related wow wow you know to that to that whole deal and and uh i hope you didn't just get me lynched but (laughs) (laughs) well that's going to be a a great film coming out i guess in october but major major it's like a four-hour film i think i read someplace big big deal about that that story of the osage indians back in the 20s oh yeah uh, 
Yeah, so, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. It was really a bad deal, and and that was the. Uh, well, the, the FBI was formed. That was their very first case. They were put together to to solve that case, and and uh, they basically did very very little when it when when it came down to it. They picked out you know two or three guys out of probably hundreds that could have been implicated. But but uh, anyway, but yes, it was uh, very deserving that there's a movie made of it and the history known. And uh, a very tough time, you know. Uh, but it's 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 supposed to be out in October, and yeah, that's uh, what I've heard. Finally, yeah, it's been it's been ongoing for quite a long time. But Leonardo DiCaprio oh, yeah. and oh uh, Jesse Plemons, uh, oh uh, what's the other guy? Robert De Niro. Robert, yeah. Mm-hmm. And. So, uh, Sturgill Simpson. I made uh, a Sturgill Simpson a quirk for uh, he was playing a bootlegger here in the movie. So we'll see how it all turns out. It I, I believe is the highest budget film ever made. Good gosh, three hundred and some million, and they were se- several months here in town. Had the you know a lot of the streets. You know they had put dirt on and. Had the 1920s vehicles, and it's a big deal. But uh, it, it's uh, ought to be a really good movie. And they've had a viewing. The, the Osage have seen it, uh, you know, but nobody else has got to. And I, I think it's everybody's fairly positive about it. They seem to be. But I haven't heard a lot. Yeah. Well, I... I read the book, I don't know, probably five years ago when it first came out, and I thought, wow, that is that is a page-turner. That was a Oh, it is for sure. Yeah, I read it myself. It's one of those you can't put down, and, it's, yep. and you can't believe it really happened, you know, like it did, you know. But I tell you what, yeah, it's pretty evil. A lot of money. Money, 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 money. Bad stuff. Yeah, that's all it was. Yeah. That's all it was. Yeah. Well, I, I think at the beginning of the book that uh, David Grand, the guy, the, the research journalist or guy that did the, did that book and uncovered a lot of information. Some of it was known, but he uncovered a bunch that wasn't even, hadn't even seen the light of day yet. And he talked about the fact that the Osage Indians in the 20s were the wealthiest people per capita in the world. Yep. Yeah. Like you said that they had a reputation for if they they bought a, buy a car, and they just drive it till the gas ran out and went and bought another car. Oh yeah, yeah. I heard, heard those stories. You know, just so much wealth, and it happened overnight. You know, and then uh, white men found a way to exploit that, and uh, you know, like have I can't remember what they call them, but like. A, became executors of their managing their money for them. Well, you know what's going to happen there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it's just like they didn't, they didn't, you know, which they had no idea how to handle that instant wealth is what it sounded like. I don't think anybody does. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'd like to 
try it sometime though. Well, we, we know we know we we can't handle this that we're in now. So let's try that other one, right? See what happens. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, for sure. But but anyway. Well, all good, Gary. We getting close. We're an hour into this. Yeah, now. yeah. We're we kind of chewed up an hour. Uh, well, Jay, this has been a real delight. I I knew some of your history, but I've learned a lot more here today, and and uh, that's part of what we're trying to do. We invite people that we love and people that we, that can tell a story of the West and have a positive outlook on what's going on and stuff and their own life and and you easily fall into all of that so we, well, you've I've been a great you've turned into a great friend and a, a uh, great uh, brother in arms with the, the association and and it's been a great deal looking forward to more oh yes sir yes sir i appreciate it and i've enjoyed it you, you certainly have added some uh some life and spark to our little brotherhood in the TCA. Um, you've taken some attention off the rest of us with Pablo. He's focused on you and trying to trying to help you get out of being a leather braider and into rawhide braiding. So. Absolutely, absolutely. And I tell you what, it's uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting you know all of us getting back together down there in October. And. Um, I tell you what, I think that's going to be great because we've got added, you know, guests, you know, coming with the the fellowship and, oh yeah, and, you know, we're kind of adding on to the deal and we should have a really fun crowd. I'm looking forward to it. We'll certainly know our way around the hotel now and which bars open and which ones close, which seem to be priorities <laughs> for us. And that was difficult last year with the new hotel. So, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we kind of struck out in Greeley at the old hotel, didn't we? Yeah, it wasn't real good for us, but that's all right. <laughs> we we didn't strike out at Art and Stormy's. That that was that was grand slams going on there. So, oh, absolutely. Do you good. remember the? We, and it's kind of funny. Not that we hang out in the bar all the time. We go in the <laughs> bar in Greeley. What, we what, just find ourselves there all the time, right? It's not. I mean, we didn't mean for it to happen. <laughs> well, it's just kind of a good meeting place, basically. <laughs> They got nice tables, cool air, something to drink. It's why not? We go in well, the how bar. about the hotel bar in Washington D.C.? I come walking in there, and there's Nate and Jay sitting there, and they both have this blank stare on their face. And they said, "We're we're drinking. I don't know what it was, some kind of a highball drink of some kind." And and we just spent like fifty five dollars on these two drinks. You guys didn't know if you wanted to drink it or not. <laughs> yeah, I think it was my turn to buy. That's why my money. Like, <laughs> and the, unbelievable. We we we're, we're sound like we're bar hoppers, but we're really not. But we we, no. we went in that one in. Uh, we were getting ready to go to to dinner with with Art and Stormy at the country club, and we all met in the bar before we left and. And I go up there and order this. I ordered a beer off of this uh, bartender, some young kid in there. And I hand him a $20 bill, one beer. And he said, uh, would you like change? And I, thought, I said, dude, you don't know me at all, do you? <laughs> Hell yes, I want a lot of change. <laughs> 
<laughs> like the vast majority of that back, huh? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's all good. <laughs> it is all good. Well, we'll have some fun in October and for those that are listening, we'd love to see you in October. We'll we'll, we'll wind you up, Jay, and put you out front and have be the entertainment that will be good. <laughs> you, bet. you bet. Yeah, come see us, folks. It's That's- fun. Absolutely. Well, hey, give old Cody a big hello there at the at, at the at the Bucking Flamingo, and uh, and uh, I, I'm sorry we didn't get off on Cody stories, Garnett there, but we will next oh, time. How's that? That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. But I will no, say just... he, he is doubly excited about auctioneering down there during the the uh, dinner there on Saturday night. If it's anything like the last auction I attended that that uh, Cody was uh, emceeing over, it will be plum entertaining without question. Well, I promise you, it won't be. Uh, there'll be some smiles. <laughs> yes, <laughs> for yes. sure, for sure. Well, but, be well, good, Jay, my friend, you... and we'll see you soon. Absolutely, hey, hang you. on for just a moment, Jay. We get get all uploaded here uh after we exit and and uh we'll have to have you back again sometime oh yes sir adios everybody all right see ya thank you